Welcome back to another episode of Your Pocket Nurse, a podcast for student and graduate nurses. I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the original owners of the land that I am recording on. I pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Your Pocket Nurse. Today I'm joined by joined with or what do I say joined by Kat and she will be joined by Kat (laughs) yeah um she will be sharing her journey from becoming a midwife to now um working as a nurse and working in NICU so I met Kat at uni and I think she has a really amazing story to share so I hope you all enjoy this episode hello hello hi (laughs) how are you I'm good. Sorry, I wasn't sure if you wanted me to say hello or not. But hi, yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No worries. I'm so excited. Um, how are you going today? Yeah, good. I'm actually in my scrubs already because I've got a PM shift today. So, um, nice. yeah, I'm kind of in a little bit of a work mode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, excited to have a little bit of a chat and, yeah, talk about, like, what I do um, mm-hmm. um, as a nurse and as a midwife. So, yeah. No worries. So I've got three questions that I ask everyone, which I think, you know, gives a really good kind of overview of everyone. But why did you want to become a midwife slash nurse? And if you weren't working in healthcare, what job do you think you'd have? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, my, like I became a midwife and a nurse kind of a little bit later in life um, because I started in like a corporate world. I was in business before I started um, mm-hmm. as a midwife. I was working as an accountant and I was at one of the Um, big four accounting firms and I worked there for like about four years Mm. I was just I just knew it wasn't the right work environment for me like I really gave it a good crack and I was really good at my job and I enjoyed the people that I worked with but like there was just something about the environment I just it just wasn't right for me and I could feel myself just not being happy in that space I really I like looking back now I was probably depressed while I was working there Mm. um but it's only when I look back now that I kind of realize that. Um, but I remember just being really, really unhappy and just not enjoying what I was doing. And I think the turning point was um, I was having a conversation with my family around the dinner table um, and they were all sort of talking about like how much they loved their job. And it just seemed like such a foreign concept because yeah. I just assumed everybody hated their job. I thought it was just something that we did to like make money, but no one actually enjoyed it. And it really kind of like surprised me that everyone was talking about loving their job. And I was like, what? I don't understand this. I hate my job. (laughs) Um, It's a big jump from being an accountant because that's obviously so, as you say, businessy and everything to working like in healthcare. It's such a, like a complete polar opposite, I think. Yeah, it is. One's very much, you know, sit at a little cubicle with your desk and, and look at numbers and business and, and stuff. And the other is like with people and, and using your hands and interacting. And it's just so different. Yeah, not (laughs) sitting down. My step count goes through the roof when I'm on shift. Yeah. And so like, I kind of was like, well, why am I working in this job that I hate? And I was really lucky. It was my parents that kind of said to me, you know, if you could do anything, what would you do? Um, and so I, at first I was like, but I don't have any skills to do anything. And then they said, look, that's fine. We can always cross that bridge later. But like, what is it that you would really want to do if you could do anything and start again? So I remember, um, looking through all these like uni guides and looking at different subjects and trying to picture myself working in different careers. And my mum was a nurse and she always used to have like really 
great stories of all these fond memories she had of her time. She was a theatre nurse and um, she used to talk about how she really loved being in the action and um, looking at um, procedures and learning about the body and stuff. Close she still was with all her nursing friends and it would have been like 30 years on and she was still good friends. So I was like, oh, well, this nursing thing is kind of, you know, it was just sort of drawing me in. And then um, when I was looking through the uni guides and I came across midwifery, it was kind of like this light bulb moment. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I'd always had kind of this um, like not like almost like an obsession with pregnancy. I just found pregnant women like beautiful and I just had so much interest in it. Um, And so when I saw that I could do it as a job, it was like, that's it. I knew that's what I had to do. So yeah, that's how I ended up um, going back to uni sort of a bit later in life and, and becoming a midwife. And it was that first second that I walked into my lecture theatre that I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. It was like yeah. this moment where it just all felt right and everything, yeah, fell into place. And, like, even though, like, I've had hard days at work, it's kind of like when you love your job, it makes it easier to get through those hard days and that's how I know that I actually do, like, love my job. And I've also got that yeah. comparison now, I guess. Like, I also know what it's like to really hate the environment that you work in and how toxic it can become if you just keep pushing yourself to do something that's not right for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it can really take its toll on you mentally. So I've got that comparison now. So, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up becoming a midwife. Oh, that's so interesting because, yeah, I never – yeah. Like when I met you, I didn't, you know, realize that you're an accountant. I knew that you were a midwife, but I didn't know that you had like this whole other, you know, life be- before that. And it's, yeah. it's interesting, like the whole, you know, loving your job, because I do feel like, you know, even TV shows and movies like sort of glamorize the, the thought of like hating your job. And that's just something you have to put up with because mm. you know, everyone needs a job. But yeah, it's so important to find that a, a job that you actually love and want to you know, go to every yeah, day because yeah, exactly. Makes it makes much easier, more, doesn't it? It really does. It makes yeah, it really does because it makes that because we've got to be honest with ourselves. Like every day is not going to be easy. There are really tough days in nursing mm-hmm. and mid and things like that. That's why you need to have a passion for it. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, it makes those hard days. Um, you you know that you're you know, doing good for somebody and and a tough day can still make you feel fulfilled and it makes you want to strive, I think, um, to take it further too and like advance your skills. Um, And yeah, so I think there definitely needs to be a passion in this industry. Definitely. I agree. Uh, What area of nursing do you think you eventually want to work in or are you working in it already? I think I found my industry now, yeah, because mm-hmm. I've worked in a few. Um, so, uh, so where I work at the moment is um, in a special care nursery. So I've worked up to special care nursery and high dependency unit. So it's working with um, neonates basically, so mm-hmm. prem and sick um, babies. Um, but I didn't start there. I started like I said, as a midwife, so I would rotate around birth suite and postnatal ward and antenatal clinic um, and fetal medicine and things like that. So I did that for about three years um, and really did enjoy my time there. But I rotated through special care nursery and it was kind of like I just didn't expect to like it because it was the most nursing part of being a midwife. Yeah. Um, 
And when I came across it and I started working, I kind of had this really real interest in it that kind of took me by surprise. Um, so I decided I kind of wanted to upskill in that area and kind of stay in the neonate area. So I ended up sort of splitting my time for a while where I was working as a midwife one week and then working uh, in special care nursery for the other week. So I did that for a couple of years and just really fell in love with the neonatal space. So that's the area of nursing that I think I want to stay in. I guess my Mm -hmm. goal is to just continue to um, like get to different levels within that space. So at the moment um, I'm working towards my neonatal intensive care. So Intensive care unit is the step up from HDU. So that's when you'll get pretty much like your the most acutely unwell babies. So the ones that would need complex infusions or, um, you know, most of them would be sort of ventilated. Um, so that's your most critically unwell. So I'm working towards um, being able to work in NICU. Um, and who knows where I eventually want to work after that. Like I think I, I still would be in the neonatal space, but, you know, I could end up doing um, retrievals for Piper. So Piper Mm -hmm. is the pediatric infant, um, emergency retrievals team. Um, so they might go into sort of lower level, um, nurseries. If there's a critically unwell baby, they'll go into those nurseries, stabilize them and then bring them to maybe another tertiary hospital that might be more equipped to look after them. Mm -hmm. They also do like the step down program. So a baby that you know, might be stable enough to go out to a more um, lower level hospital, they sort of transfer them out. Um, And who knows, maybe even one day a neonatal nurse practitioner, like I'll put that one on the back burner for now, but like that's that's always like a goal that I could work to. So even though I found uh, the space that I want to work in, there's always the next level that you can work up to. So yeah, I feel like I'm that type of person who's always um, wanting more, looking, looking for that next step. Yeah, I love that. And that's the thing. I think with nursing, so many people don't realize that there's actually so many different, you know, little avenues. Like we think of a nurse like, oh, cool, you're a nurse. But like there's so many different types of nurses. And as you say, like you're working with neonates, but you can keep going further and further and, you know, keep working, you know, in that little, you know, what's it called, area of nursing. And yeah, in the niche. And I think it's just, yeah, amazing how there's just, so much you can do like I yeah. even was thinking today like oh like what do I want to do like next year and forever but as you say like there's you know so much time to you know upskill and everything it's exciting yeah that's exactly right it is exciting that's why nursing and mid and things like that um I think is a great career choice because even if you do get tired of one area. Um, so I've obviously picked, um, a specialty and I'm working up in that specialty, Mm -hmm. but that's not the only way to change your career. Like you can also maybe stay more general and work in all different kinds of wards, but at the same level, like you might stay as a registered nurse, but work in all different kinds of broad, um, in broad wards. So you've kind of got, yeah, you can either specialize and become upskilled or you can just say general and go into all these broad different areas. So it, yeah, there's heaps of flexibility. You can never get bored. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I just wanted to quickly touch on, you went to Cambodia for a nursing trip, which as I said in the last episode, I missed out on, but um, yeah, can you tell so me a bit about that and do you think you'd ever want to work um, as a nurse or a midwife overseas? And is that something also on the horizon for you? Yeah, definitely on the horizon for me, for sure. It's definitely one of my bucket list things to work overseas. Um, I think probably Cambodia was one of the things that sparked 
that interest the most. So even though you missed out on your trip to Vanuatu, you'll still be able to do an overseas trip. Um, So it'll still be in the horizon for you if you like. Um, But yeah, it was just something that introduced the overseas kind of experience a little bit um, and made it more real. So um, yeah, through uni, I was able to go um, with a bunch of nurses to Cambodia. There would have been about 15 of us. um, And we got to see what it was like to be a nurse in a foreign country. So we got to do um, tours of like the lo- the Western-based hospitals in Cambodia, but actually the local hospitals where mm-hmm. the locals will go. So I guess their public system, you would call it. Um, so you look at all the challenges and the different ways, uh, you know, it is that, that different even countries have different things that impact their health. So you got a really good idea of, um, you know, the social impacts on people's health, like the environment and pollution and and rubbish and things like that. Um, so that's fascinating to see, mm-hmm. I guess, firsthand how that differs from country to country. And, yeah, different wards, like they, um, you know, don't have the resources that we have. So one of the things that stood out was the inventiveness of people when you don't have the tools necessary, Um you know, so like hanging IV bags off a tree if you don't have an IV oh pole God. or having family members that have to stay with the family because the nurses don't have time to do cares and bed baths and stuff because, yeah. you know, they're looking after 10 to 15 patients each. And so they become very resourceful and very inventive. So they still make it happen. So it kind of gave me a bit like a bit of appreciation for, you know, working in Australia and the luxury of the things that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was interesting to see. And then based on that, after we got a bit of a context of like the Cambodian, you know, healthcare system and, and what, what impacts the environment has on them, we then got to run these sort of little mobile, um, pop-up health clinics so it was really nursing run um we would admit the patients we would do assessments on them um and then they would have a little uh setup where they would go and meet with a doctor and then they would come back to the student nurses again and um we'd run the little pharmacy and give them whatever meds they needed um but yeah we would just travel these little clinics around to kind of remote areas that didn't have a lot of access to healthcare. Um, and they, a lot of these people hadn't been to a doctor in such a long time because they just don't have access. And, you know, some of the people were actually quite unwell and there was things that we couldn't even provide them in that little clinic. Like they did need access to hospitals, um, but just because of the nature of, you know, where they're located and, you know, resources to even get to a hospital, they just can't. They just can't do it. So, um, yeah, it's sort of that's definitely like sparked a little bit of an interest. So, like, I think a future bucket list will be for me to work with um, a company called um, MSF or Medicines and Frontier. I think is how you pronounce it because it's French. Oh, um, interesting. But it's, yeah, so it actually means um, Doctors Without Borders. So, oh, MSF. I heard of that one. Yeah, so Medicines and Frontier, I think, is the original French translation for that. Um, yeah, so I've been looking into that a lot. Prior to lockdown, I was looking into it a lot and prior to COVID and stuff because um, they offer like uh, a lot of the time six to nine month placements in different countries and there's jobs available for all nurses no matter what your specialty is um, or midwives no matter like what level you work. They, they're always advertising for roles. So because I specialise, my niche is kind of like neonates, I was kind of looking at the jobs that they had available and um, 
at the time they were advertising for a role in Sudan and the role would be to like set up um, a special care nursery in Sudan where they don't have one. And then it's like upskilling and training the locals to run that special care nursery so that eventually mm-hmm. w- like we can withdraw from that country mm-hmm. and they'll be like self-sufficient to run that nursery. Yeah, so that's the important part, I think. Yeah, with the locals with the knowledge and the ability to do it rather than just having all these, you know, foreigners like kind of come in and take over. It's so important. Like I think that comes with so many other initiatives like, you know, water and food and everything. You have to you have to teach it and, you know, help the community to be able to continue and make it, you know, run well. Yeah, so they don't have to rely on anybody else. They become self-sufficient. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. I agree. Yeah, so that's always interested me. I kind of, I would definitely be interested in doing something like that. Um, yeah, I just got to get through my um, postgrad and studies that I'm doing at the moment, and then it might be. Yeah, yeah oh, I'm going to look that up as soon as we finish this. I've because I've been looking at like overseas ones, but I had never actually looked at that specific one. I might have to join mm. you for it one day. That would be so interesting. Yeah. Absolutely, because there's a lot of things, travel nursing, that you can do. Some of it is volunteer. This one um, is the one that jumped out to me the most. So, yeah, have a look. You'll find you'll find, you'll find you'll get into this little wormhole and you won't be able to get out of it because <laughs> I couldn't get off their website. I just became so fascinated. I was They've got all of these, like, webinars that you can watch and you can listen to people talk who've been on placements, mm. um, and it's just really fascinating. So I'm just warning you, have a lot of spare time if you're going to go to their <laughs> website because <laughs> you can get sort of caught up oh, oh that's good I'm gonna have a look um yeah what was your what has been your favorite clinical experience or moment whether it be on placement or at work yeah good question um I've had a lot of really interesting clinical placement experiences but like the one that um probably sticks in my mind the most is when I first um started back as a midwife um because like I'd been so fascinated by birth, but I'd never seen one. Like I hadn't had a baby, none of my family, uh, like sisters and brothers and that had not had kids yet. So birth seemed still so foreign to me. So as a student midwife, when you see your first birth, it's kind of like the most surreal moment. I, it's hard to explain. It was like this, I remember, I can still remember where room I can remember what the room looked like I, I can remember the sounds um and basically it was kind of like I've just witnessed a new human entering this world and it's the most like exciting moment for the parents and the fact that like I got to be like a part of this day and that they let me into this day like it was just really surreal so <laughs> I can remember feeling emotional like I almost wanted to cry but I was also like I just have to um, also contain myself because I'm trying to be professional, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very, very surreal moment. And the thing is with birth, it was being, being in birth suite was probably one of my favorite wards to work in as a midwife. Um, because like, I can remember even having, you know, a bad day and you're like, Oh, I can't be bothered going into work. And then you're going to work and you see, and then if you see this most amazing birth, I, I would leave work like on a high sometimes, like just the adrenaline and the emotions of it all. Um, yeah, so I think seeing my first birth would probably be my most memorable clinical experience. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it is just, you know, as we were talking yesterday, like um, I think, yeah, as you say, pregnancy is just the most beautiful thing in the world. Like I personally can't wait until I'm pregnant because it's just amazing how we, like the, you know, the human body can 
grow as a human inside. Like, you know, it's just yeah, like when you get when you think too much. I actually looked at um the fetal circulation last night. I watched oh, it with um, Aiden and he was like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. But it was so interesting. And I like, because, you know, I don't really know much about neonates or anything. Yeah. Or like, you know, fetuses, sorry. You know, all the different names for depending where they are in the... Yeah in the span but yeah it was yep. just amazing about all like the um the oxygen and everything like coming obviously it comes from the mum and everything and then it was just yeah it was so cool just everything that our bodies can do I think that's my favorite part of it all yeah, yeah absolutely because when you learn about the body it gives you so much more respect for it you're like it's this finely tuned organ that does all these amazing amazing things yes. that we just take for granted so yeah uh-huh. exactly right like another placement that I was sort of um did become memorable was, you know, when I was doing a periop placement um, in women's health and I got to see, um, you know, a hysterectomy. So I actually got to see a uterus removed from the body and like how small it actually is. It would fit in the size of uh, like the palm of my hand, including the fallopian tubes. And when I saw it in real life, it really put into perspective like that organ is amazing because it stretches and it holds a baby. And it just blew my mind that this thing is so small but it can change so much. And it's exactly like you were talking about with, you know, fetal circulation. So a baby goes from being inside the stomach, being solely reliant on its mother for oxygen and nutrients. So it's Mm. complete circulation is changed. Like there's holes in the heart where they're not normally Mm -hmm. because, you know, blood has to flow in a slightly different direction and it's got to bypass the lungs. I was like, yeah weird I didn't realize about the whole situation yeah which which all kind of and all these little um there's all these little adaptations in the baby's circulation um that that then close when the baby's born because now it's got to start breathing by itself so it needs to have you know blood flowing back to the oxygen to the lungs again so they can get oxygenated and there's four major kind of like little adaptations that within instant of being born start to shut and close and constrict to go back to you know, a normal human um, circulation mm-hmm. that we all know of. So it's like, yeah, it's fascinating. That's why I think I, I'm obsessed with babies too and why I think that's a really important, like a, why I think I'm so drawn to that specialty because there yeah. there's so many things that happen in that transition from being inside the mummy's t- mother's tummy to being born and, you know, one of those things not happening the way it should and seeing how that presents, you know, to a, you know, when the baby is then born and then we've got to then support that. So yeah, my specialty obviously is babies that are born early. So maybe their lungs aren't, you know, developed enough and, um, and and all the things that go along with that. So yeah, it's definitely, I think that's why I've been so fascinated with, with neonates particularly. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that's actually so amazing because I've never really thought about neonates or working like, in that area like I did think about peds and I don't know I think I just got so scared off by um just the thought of little humans and everything could just yeah I don't yeah. know I prefer yeah. my little old ladies <laughs> or really braves. yeah um, little humans can be their own challenge I think every area of nursing has its own challenge little 100%. humans have their challenge when it comes to drawing up medications because oh. obviously the doses are a lot smaller and like huge margin for error if you get it wrong so yeah. um like in neonates, we double check everything. So yep. 
like in adult world, you can give a lot of medications just one nurse. At like, let's say you're giving a Panadol, you know, you yeah, don't check that with another nurse. You just give it. Correct. But you give Panadol to a neonate, we're double checking it and everyone has to double sign off on it. And even a vitamin, like we're giving vitamin D, which is just a vitamin, you know, it is double checked and mm. signed off by two nurses because of that reason um but But yeah really good because yeah when I was on my peds placement I noticed that we were like double checking everything and at first I was like oh weird but it obviously makes sense because you have to do all the um conversions and everything and yeah as you said like a little mistake can be so detrimental to the little body that they have so it's it's good that they've got that in place because you know you'd feel so awful if you gave the wrong dose you know yeah absolutely but like when I had an experience then with adults I wanted someone else to look at my med because I was so used to having it double checked it felt I felt like I was breaking some kind of rule by giving a a Panadol to an adult without having it double checked (laughs) I couldn't get my head out of the not having it checked kind of thing like I'd become reliant on it yeah Um, yeah yeah. that's a really interesting difference that I actually forgot um to mention because I completely forgot about the double checking in like peds and things but that's good hmm. um Sora we've sort of like touched on it briefly about your journey into healthcare, but can you sort of tell us um if anyone's listening that you know also wants to make a career change um what did you have to do to um get into um, midwifery because obviously for me I just went in straight after high school and I just did all that VTAC stuff and it was all done and dusted for me and based off my ATAR and whatever mm. but obviously for you it was a bit different so do you mind sharing a bit about that please yeah I'm actually just trying to remember it feels so long ago <laughs> so I think I I still applied um through oh this you're actually testing my memory now um <laughs> So I obviously didn't have to use my um, year 12 equivalent score. Um, If that is all you have to go on and maybe you've like haven't done another degree or you've just gone straight into work, um, for example, I think you can still use whatever highest score you've achieved to apply to unis. Mm -hmm. Um, But my mine was slightly different because I'd already completed an accounting degree. So I had evidence that I, um, of my scores and my academic transcripts from that past degree. So I just still applied directly through the uni the same way that you guys would have. But um, yeah, I just, instead of having my year 12 scores, I just had to provide records of my highest, um, my highest level of study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I just basically had to follow the same entry model because, again, I'm applying for uni. So I went through um, and did the direct entry midwifery course, which is a um, three-year undergrad. Um, And, yeah, just went through the same time of year that all the applications open and you get your acceptance letter at the same time. It just might slightly differ what what evidence of, of study they want. Mm-hmm. And then with, um, because obviously we met in first year of uni when you went back to do your nursing and you had to do the full three years, but you got credits for like most of like the like science subjects and things like that. So yeah. is there, it's a bit of a shame that there's no sort of like fast track into nursing because I do know you can do just like a year or a year and a half um, post-grad to become a midwife after you're um a nurse so that's a bit yeah. of an annoying thing yeah 
Exactly right. And the thing was like when I wanted to be a midwife, I didn't fully understand what direct entry midwifery degree kind of meant and what that would look like in the real world. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to be a midwife. So I was like, well, this course is going to get me to be a midwife and it's going to take three years. At the time, I thought to myself, I don't necessarily want to be a nurse. So, you know, if I do the dual um, degree, which is nursing and mid combined, or if I do nursing first and then mid as a postgrad, I thought that's just going to take me longer to get to the place that I already know I want to get. So I thought, oh, well, I'll do the direct entry mid um, and get where I want to go quicker. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think what ended up kind of happening was when I started working as a midwife, it's fine when you're in those specific midwifery spaces like birth suite and things. It's an amazing degree that gives you so, so much skill and knowledge. I think where I found my midwifery degree was kind of letting me down was that um, you don't have as much flexibility to upskill if you want to step a little bit outside of the specific midwifery space. So like I'd fallen in love with special care um, and working with neonates and there was, I could work in that space up to us like a point, but I was never going to be able to progress any further because it becomes a nursing um, skill after that. And, you know, not being a nurse, mm-hmm. I was really hitting all of these brick walls on how far I could really progress. So um it even got to a point where they um there was I had to have meetings with our nursing union because it was actually thought that midwives couldn't work in special care at all after a certain point. So I was sitting there with my union rep um who had basically said um you know, we've, we've been able to, you know, save your job. Um, you know, you will still be able to work in your space that you're in, but, you know, we've had to write an amendment to the patient safety act with your name in it that says you are eligible to work here based on past experience. But if you leave this nursery, you won't ever be able to come back and you can't get employment in any other nursery because really? they don't, yeah, wow. they don't allow direct entry midwives uh, employment in those spaces anymore. So I was really grateful that the union was, was able to go in and do that for us. But also at the same time, I felt really trapped because I was like, I can never leave my job. And even though I loved where I worked, you know, those options of traveling and and all of those kind of stuff they just Mm -hmm. felt like taken away from me or if I wanted to you know move to another state I wouldn't have had those options so that's Mm -hmm. why I ended up deciding to go back to um, uni and get my nursing degree which is where I met you Um, I wasn't happy about it though I was really really angry because I was I felt like why am I doing this degree um, to just work in the same job that I already have yeah just a few beds up yeah all in like one section isn't at work yeah absolutely and I kind of was like why do I have to study for three years to have the exact same job I already have um so I did go back to nursing a little bit angry at myself because I kind of thought if I had just done double degree from the start I wouldn't be facing this problem right now um but in hot like in reality as soon as I started nursing I wasn't angry about it anymore. I actually was really excited to be back studying because there's something different about learning more about a job that you've already got clinical experience in. Um, And it kind of opened my eyes to a whole new world of nursing that I hadn't, I'd already sort of closed off in my brain, but it opened up all these new worlds and possibilities that I never had before. 
So in the long run, it ended up being one of the best things I ever did. Plus I met like people like you and mm-hmm. I've got all these great people in my life and, you know, had got to go to Cambodia, like, got to go to Cambodia which, okay. you know, has probably changed my life goals by now. I want to work overseas. So like, even though it was annoying that I had to go back to uni, I don't regret it and I don't hate it. It's just, it just took my life slightly on a different, different path. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, my advice, cause I do get asked a lot. If you want to be a midwife, you know, people ask, do I recommend doing the direct entry or doing the double or doing the nursing in the postgrad? Um, and look, there's really no right answer. I know for me, I probably, if I could do my time again, would do the dual. Um, uh, but having said that, I got into work and was able to work for a bit before doing the nursing. I think just as long as you know, there isn't a bridging course, exactly like you said, there isn't a bridging course to get from direct entry mid to becoming dual registered. So as long as you're aware, if you do think you're going to change your mind, just be aware there's another three years of study in it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Mm. Um, but as you said, you know, I think like sometimes I don't like this thing, but I guess everything happens for a reason, you know, and even though it was like a bit of a longer journey to get to where you want to work you yeah, know, you got there and you had a, a good time while you were getting there. So that's yeah. That yeah. Exactly. Um, how would you how did you juggle like working as a midwife and studying? Because I assume you obviously, you know, had to work a certain amount of hours and pay all your bills and everything and mm. you know, hard. You know, I was just studying and, you know, finding it difficult. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it is a struggle. Uh, the, the juggle was real. It was hard. Um, lots of sacrifice, I guess, on like more social stuff. You kind of have to put a lot of that to the side and you can get a little bit FOMO um, and things like that. But everything does fit in. And I like I still was able to make time for myself and, and friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because you need that little bit of uh, tune out time as well away from work and study. Um but yeah, there is a bit of a sacrifice, but uh, it, you can make it work. Um, I've had a lot of people ask the same question, like um, midwives that might have want to go back to study nursing, or um, you know, people with families that want to become a midwife that are worried how they're going to like juggle family life, um, but also studying. And I think my best tip is just being super organized, having your diary, knowing when all your work shifts are, knowing when all your due dates are, and really knowing yourself and how long it takes you a chapter of a book or how long it takes you to write an assignment. Um, Because I found it really helpful because I knew how long it took me to do those things. I could really plan out, um, you know, all my free time to schedule those kind of things in. Um, and I found overestimating how long things takes was always helpful because it sometimes, you know, you get something done quicker than you thought and then you feel like you got some free time, which is nice. Mm-hmm. If you um, if you underestimate, you can put a little bit more stress, stress on situations. Um, but, yeah, so I was able to work. Um, I was working part-time, so I was working um, 0.6 EFT while I was studying um, when I was doing my undergrad. But now that I'm doing my postgrad, um, they actually have a requirement that you have to work 0.7 EFT because they want you working. Pardon? That's hard because that's still a lot. Like right now I can't imagine having to study something and I'm doing 0.8. Like that would be, yeah, it would be difficult. 
Yeah. Well, I am actually working 0.8. Even though the minimum was 0.7, I kind of financially needed to work 0.8 because exactly like you said before, you've still got bills. I've still got a mortgage to pay. So I am working Mm -hmm. 0.8. I think the difference between studying a postgrad versus studying an undergrad is that um, an undergrad is pretty much a full-time job. An undergrad is four subjects per semester. They pretty much want you to put in the time equivalent to study that would be the same as working a full-time job. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of juggling priorities. Um, whereas with the postgrad, it's kind of designed to study while you work. So yeah. you only focus on one subject at a time, which is quite refreshing because I don't have to think, oh, you know, what am I juggling with that other subject? When's mm-hmm. that assignment due? I only have the one subject at a time. Um, and then I can just fit it in around my shifts. But uh yeah. It's still a lot. Like I would say if I was to put a time frame on it, like I think I'm still doing about 10, 10 to 20 hours a week of study on top of, oh, of wow. work. Yeah. Yeah. You, you love studying though. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to if you're going to keep going back to study. I do <laughs> love it. I'm such a nerd and I'm not even, I'm not even mad about it. I, there's something about learning and just getting better and better what you do. I don't know. I find it really satisfying. No, you, you are a big nerd and I love it. It's, it's really good. <laughs> oh, that's great. And we haven't touched on it yet, but I suppose I have some insight into it because I'm your friend. But you actually did an ED transition program um, earlier this year before the um, the new course started. It was, um, was it only meant to be a six month program? Yeah, it was just, yeah. yeah, correct. It was meant to be for six months. Yeah. But you stopped. So I just, um, like I, I know why, but I think it's important because I feel like lots of people are really interested in ED and not to say that this conversation is going to turn people off, but I think that, you know, everyone thinks about all these really exciting, like ED, ICU, but there's obviously another side to it and, you know, it is hard. So can you tell me a bit more about like what you were expecting the ED experience to be like and, you know, why did you stop? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I wanted to do ED um, for a few reasons. One was, you know, I'd been a midwife for a couple of years and then I'd gone back to uni for another couple of years and become a nurse. And then when I was finishing my nursing degree, I was like, okay, I have this new skill set, but I've never really put it into practice outside of the space that I was working in, which was special care. So I knew I wanted to do the NICU postgrad um, in the future, but I kind of thought, do while the knowledge is all still fresh in my mind, you know, do I want to do, um, you know, transition into another ward so I can get my nursing skills sort of consolidated and like put it into practice before I sort of really honed in my skills and specialized in quite a narrow field, which is neonates. So I thought, well, where's the most, uh, I was probably being a bit reckless, but I was like, (laughs) where's the most broad general nursing experience you can get? I was like, I don't know, let's go straight to ED. Um, But I had never really spoken to anyone who'd worked in ED before. So I wasn't a hundred percent clear on the reality of it. But I just liked the idea of getting all patients of all ages coming in for all different reasons, working out what their diagnoses are, and then putting a plan into action. I was like, this is going to really hone in my assessment skills. Um, So I was really excited about it. Um, In reality, when I went there, 
um, I got really overwhelmed. I, it was just such a foreign environment to me. And I think because I might've already, um, you know, being so accustomed to working with neonates, it was a really, really huge learning curve for me. I'd never like simple things like, um, I don't know, giving someone a bedpan and things like that. You know, I'd never really done a lot of that kind of stuff and getting used to, um, working with adults was such a transition. Um, and I found because the adrenaline of ED and the pace at which it happens, I found myself just getting really, really overwhelmed, like really quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think ED is just one of those areas you're either going to love it or you hate it. And I don't think you'll ever know whether you're going to love it or, or you hate it until you do it. Mm-hmm. And I think they're probably some of the most hardcore nurses I've ever met. <laughs> These people can juggle 20 things at the same time without missing a beat and and saying um, so cool about it you know saying so cool and calm yeah and I just I floundered in that environment I just I couldn't keep it in my head all the jobs that I needed to do and like I felt for me I just felt like I was <laughs> um being like cognitive overload I was like I had so much stuff to do that mm-hmm. my brain shut down and it said um, no, nah, you're not going to do anything. So there was one point where I had some three quite critically unwell people that had all come in at the same time. And I, I froze, I didn't know what to do. And I just felt so overwhelmed <laughs> that I just had to call my educators and I didn't even know how to explain to them what I needed doing. I just said, I'm so overwhelmed. I need help, but I can't even, I don't even know how to explain to you what I need help with. Yeah. And so they kind of explained to me, that's fine. That's when they said that's cognitive overload for you. We're going to step this out really slowly. So I had some amazing supports around me, which was really good, but I just learned quickly. It wasn't the environment for me. It was never going to be an area I was going to thrive in. So, um, you know, in total, I spent about seven weeks there um, before I sort of withdrew and then went back to my um, current ward. Um, To be fair, I also started, I think I started at a particularly challenging time. I started during a pandemic and that definitely added a lot more complexity to an ED ward as it is. So, you know, sometimes I even wonder if I wasn't there during a pandemic, would I have had more time to slowly learn on less critically unwell patients to get, build up my confidence slowly and then start to move up to, you know, your more um, high-risk triage categories and stuff. So, yeah, I think it was challenging for a lot of reasons, but I just very quickly worked out this isn't my niche. Um, I'm going to head back to my neonates where I feel comfortable. Yeah, my little babies. My little babies. (laughs) And then it kind of was, again, like you said, everything happens for a reason. I'm glad I still did it because I did learn a lot from it. But one of the key things that I take away from it is, it was like a reinvigoration of why I love the field that I'm in. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what drove me more um, to be really excited about doing the intensive care course Mm because it is intense and the babies are getting sicker and ventilation, you know, that's kind of a scary concept, but the ED experience like made me excited for it. So, you know, it all, it all, um, yeah, it all had its happy ending in the end. Yeah. Well, I'm really proud that you gave it a go because yeah, I remember you were so excited to, you know, start. And then, you know, I feel like often we do get sort of disappointed when it's like, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be like, but Mm. it's totally normal because, you know, as you say, everyone has an area that they're interested in. And unfortunately, like you're not going to love every aspect of nursing and I think it's Mm. important that 
we recognize what we love because as you say there's so many other people that want to work in ed and good for them and they probably don't want to work with babies you know and everyone like has their little area and i think that you know it's important to give it a go and that's why a grad year is so good because you can experience different areas and sort of like tick and cross places off but you never know unless you try you know yeah at least you tried it and you know yeah yeah i gave it a go (laughs) yeah that's the most important part oh that's good and see like yeah as you said there's so many different avenues of nursing and you never know unless you try Uh, i just got got one yeah um i've just got one final question for you Mm -hmm. just kind of go back to changing careers like do you have any um tips about someone that wants to change careers or upskill but they're feeling super comfortable with where they're at and they're not they're a bit scared to you know make that big life change I suppose um you mean from a completely sort of different workforce or do you mean kind of within the nursing well maybe space? a bit of both like you know if like someone else is also working in like business or you know something mm. else and now they want to become like work in healthcare or someone that wants to upskill but you know I guess a, a bit of both yeah um my advice is always to just do it. Like if you're thinking, like if you're thinking about transitioning or leaving a career, like if you've already got that thought in your mind, there must be a good reason for it. And it's kind of like listen to that thought in your head because, you know, working is such a big part of our lives. We spend more time at work than we do at home um, and you have to like what you do. So if you're thinking about leaving your career, there's probably a reason um, and if I can remind everyone of that conversation I had at the dinner table with my family is that you can love your job. (laughs) So if you don't love your job and it's making you miserable, um, you know, think about pursuing that career that you might find interesting. So it can be scary and daunting to do because I think sometimes you do fall into your little comfort zone and you're like, well, you know, I'm not skilled to work anywhere else. This is all I know. Um, In that leap is never as bad as you think it's going to be. And most of the time will end you somewhere better than you are now. So it's like just having the courage to just go and do it. And life kind of just finds a way of working out. Like any of those kind of, um, you know, things that you're juggling, having kids, um, sharing your time and having to work in other jobs, like all of that can fit around going back to study. It just magically finds a way of working Mm. out. Um, and yeah, it, and it's just about following what you think is going to make you happy. Um, yeah, I hope that's answered your question, but yeah. yeah, I love that. And I think that's a really nice way of ending it, you know, finding like, you know, finding the area you love and, you know, because I guess at the end of the day, we all want to be happy and I think yeah. it's important to, you know, work in a job we love. So yeah, yeah. that's a really nice way to sum it up, but. Thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed this conversation and I'm sure everyone else will because I even, you know, learned things about you that I didn't know. And I think that, you know, it's a really interesting um, journey from, you know, being a midwife and then becoming a nurse and, you know, the limitations that you experienced and how you overcame it. And it's just, yeah, it's really good. So thank you, Kat. I really appreciated this chat.
Oh, thank you. That was really nice to be a part of of the podcast. And I mean, it shows that you've got a passion for what you do because, you know, you're wanting to learn more and find out more of, you know, what other people do in different nursing spaces. And yeah, no, it's been great to chat to you. Yeah. Thank you. And by the way, everyone, because I gave you a little um, shout out on my first episode, this is Kat that had your pocket, ner- uh, your pocket midwife, sorry, who gave yeah. me the inspiration for the name. So keep an yeah. eye out for that space that might be coming up soon, you say. Yeah, possibly. I've got to get through my <laughs> postgrad first. <laughs> yes. Can't add too much onto one. Um, yeah, only point. one thing at a time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you have a really good shift. Thank you. Enjoy no the rest of your day. Thank you.